1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: We're all about the Archers. I'm Philippa, and this is a very special day because you find me here in Birmingham. I've met somebody in the reception at the BBC, and, well, I <laughs> just... It's today we're going to be in bed with Brian. So forgive some of the fruity language, forgive some of the sound in the bedroom, but I hope you enjoy this episode. It's been a lot of fun to make. I'm Philippa from All About the Archers, and I am here with the one and only Charles Collingwood, who plays Brian Aldridge. Charles, welcome. How are you today?
1: I'm extremely well
2: today.
1: I tend to be extremely well every day. I think I'm at the age now where when I stop saying that, I may not be here. So, uh, you know, it's a good thing for me to be extremely well.
2: <laughs> we want you to keep being extremely well.
1: I want to be extremely
2: yes. well. <laughs> no more cat allergies, please. I know. It <laughs> was that pathetic. Yes.
1: So funny because it coincided with me having a really sore throat.
2: No! Yes,
1: and it was bizarre.
2: Was yes. that real method acting, then? Um,
1: no. <laughs> Just And I did read on some website, something quite rude, but it did make me laugh, that somebody had written, a listener had written, Brian has never been allergic to pussy, which I thought was quite funny.
2: <laughs> Do you have a look at some of the... Well, it's a thing.
1: the only one I can get, which I try not to get, because it can be very unkind. Fortunately, it isn't about me, mostly... Uh, it's a thing called Mustardland.
2: Oh, uh, yeah.
1: They can be fairly ruthless. <laughs> so Brian tends to get away with it. And oh, so they're very nice about me as a person, you know. Yeah. I mean, please don't retire, Charles. I know Judy has, you know. Yeah. So long may they think that. But yes. uh, it's not up to me.
2: Well, obviously,
1: I mean, you've been in, is it 49 years? As oh, yes.
2: I mean, there's no stopping you, but... It's amazing because there are still listeners that we have for our podcast who have only just started listening to The Archers. And I wondered, for those very new listeners, how would you summarise Brian for them?
1: Well, if you go back to the beginning, Brian was uh, brought in to be with Jennifer. Mm -hmm. And to start with, he was a bit of a cardboard cutout because they just that he bought Home Farm. And, in fact, I remember very early on saying to the producer, look, I don't know who Brian is. Who is who is this mm-hmm. chap? He, and so they, uh, I had a scene with Tony. I was staying in uh, rented accommodation in Borchester. And uh, Tony said, how are you, Brian? And I said, fine, we were in a pub. And he said, how come you were here? So in the space of one speech, I said, well, um, you see, I was... Um, in Paris studying and uh, my parents were killed in a car crash and so I had to rush home and sort everything else out and become a I became a farmer and bought a farm and here I am. I bought home farm and then I said have another drink so
2: so that was home
1: farm really that's it and then uh, for the first few years they were hugely happy family Brian inherited Debbie and Adam and brought them up just as I have Judy's boys, and after about six or seven years, there was a there was quite a whisper going around that they would knock the oranges on the head, because there was no drama in them. They were too happy. They were rich, a young family. So William Smurthurst, to my eternal gratitude, turned him into a womanizer overnight, and uh, changed my life, and uh, and really has. I mean, changed my career, my my profile, really by playing this bounder. I remember saying, though, to Vanessa, I don't want him to just be all bad, because mm-hmm. very few people are, and they're probably inside. if they, You know, Brian, I mean, make him have a sense of humour or make him be kind to his children or something like that, and bless her, she did, and, you know, he has been a good father. He's just had a wandering eye and up until... Well, I'm not saying.
2: Yeah, it's not that- <laughs> not so anymore but remember when we last met you were telling me that Brian wasn't the first character you
1: well no i played Oh play. uh, no, no in 1974 i played dave escott who was a dodgy paint salesman <laughs> i now look back on it i think it, i think it was a six month audition for the part of brian really I think they were just it was a much smaller cast then much more hierarchical and the people at the top had quite a lot to say about the youngsters coming in I honestly think they wanted a bit of a look at me. And uh, and I played this rather smooth paint salesman who, uh, a few weeks later, Brian sounded rather like him. But uh, never mind. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: it was it was good. He had a slight flirtation with Peggy. When, considering the actress playing Peggy is now 105, you can see how old we all are. But uh, those were the days. I mean, it, the cast was only about 25 strong then. So uh, the, they got me in to play Dave Escott who was a bit smooth. He was he was a crook, really. And then I started playing Brian the following March.
2: And the rest is history.
1: The rest is history. I've never been certain. Of course, even now, I, I, I wonder whether you know, they're going to write him out or kill him off or something like that. And I rather hope not now. They better not. Mike well, Gardner. I did say to Jeremy a few months ago, there's no point killing off older characters, because mm. we will just die. You've got to be careful about doing that, because what if... In real life, four or five die very quickly. Mm. If you're killing off other people as well, mm. there's a sort of yes. plague in the world. Yes, village, you know? yes. So uh, I've, I've, I'm very proud of playing Brian. I, mean, I created this character. And as I often say to young actors, well, not often, but occasionally I've said to young actors if they ask my advice and they're joining, if you can possibly see something in the writing and the way that your character is being written... That you don't think the writers have thought of. That when you do it, they go, "Oh, he sounds a little bit this or that." And I, I did consciously think I'm going to turn Brian to a bit of a Leslie Phillips, <laughs> a bit of a sort of, a bit of a sort of, <laughs> and and it worked. You know, it it, it And uh, I, I know it works. I mean, I do get people saying the nicest things, and it always makes me laugh that when I was at Rada which i adored and that was in 1963 the most criticized thing about me was my voice i mean that was i, I was jumped on time and time ago about my voice it was too casual and uh, i always thought when i was at rada i didn't i didn't really believe that humans spoke <laughs> like that you see. so i found it very hard to go on stage saying oh it's <laughs> chilly this morning i mean speaking loud yes but yeah. And so uh, I was never very good at that. So it's funny, isn't it? And here I am, I've earned my living, for, for, well, a large part of it, through my voice in this extraordinary programme.
2: And do people recognise you as soon as they hear your voice, if you're out
1: somewhere? Yes, they do. Mm. Yes, they really, really do. Uh, and that always... It, I'm always quite pleased. Um, I'm very often slightly thrown, because I'm not expecting them. I mean, if I mean... When, the, when there were banks, I remember being in the bank. You know, it was a queue, and I'm waiting, and I'm adding up things, and then the woman in front of me said, uh, "I won't be a minute." And I said, well, "That's very kind. I shall." Then, they, oh my God, it's Brian! You know what? What? Oh, I see. Hello. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm as broke as you are. Um, yeah. It is. Uh, and because I've done. When I was famous, my famous phase, when I was on lots of... Uh, it was afterwards, This Is Your Life. When they did me on This Is Your Life, it was suddenly when the panel games, television panel games, came to me. And, you know, I did a whole succession of Weakest Links and 15 to 1s. And, oh, God knows. Uh, and so I got quite a lot of recognition of what I look like. And I still get that. It's quite nice that people, although I've done a lot of drama until it, Nice that there's a strata of people that recognize me and know I'm Charles Collingwood. It's not—it's not an ego thing. It's just that I don't want to be Brian. I mean, mm-hmm. the thought of being Ken Barlow or any of them in those soaps uh, uh, fills me with horror mm-hmm. because you stop being an actor; you become somebody else. When I worked with Noel Edmonds, when I did Telly Addicts, for three years for 58 shows with Noel. We used to do the Christmas show, and one year we did Cory against EastEnders, I think. And Noel, in his usual tactful way, said to me, Charles, you introduce everybody, because I haven't a clue who anybody is. And I said, of course I will. So I went in the green room and met them all before, and they all came up to a man saying, you will introduce us by our real names, won't you, to the audience? And I said, of course I will. And much as I did, the audience weren't remotely interested that their names were Charles Collingwood playing... They only cared that they were whoever they were on the telly. I thought, my God, you really lose your own Mm. identity. People say, you're Brian, aren't you? I let them say it, and I say, well, I'm not really. I play Brian, um, but But, I'll be like Brian for you, if you like.
2: But if... You could play any other part I mean particularly when they're doing the read-throughs and if someone's not there which which character do you like to play? When well you can?
1: the character once that I did actually once swap with was with Michael Cochrane, who plays Oliver Sterling when he first joined everybody thought he sounded just like me and we were in the same episode once so we swapped read-throughs fairly intense so we swapped parts so he read Brian and I had Oliver, you know, a bit more clipped than Brian. And uh, uh, nobody noticed. It was hilarious what we did by the end. but You know, so... Uh, but, uh, no, I wouldn't want to play Oliver Sterling because I'm playing Brian. I, I always used to think I'd like to play somebody like Bert Fry. Or, mm. You know, I mm. loved that old character. I'm sorry he's not with us anymore. Mm. And, of course, I was there with the sort of Tom Forrests of this world mm. and Walter Gabriels, those amazing old actors they were. Tom Forrest, my dear old boy, he used to call me. I my, no idea what my real name was. <laughs> my dear old boy. Well, Brian, how are you this week? Because he thought he was Tom Forrest, you know.
2: Wonderful. They
1: were amazing. They yeah, you know, they're such a long time ago.
2: But Brian is also very good at the one-liners. The humour that comes in, increasingly so, I think. It's really very funny. That
1: really, really pleases me. Because as the character gets older and, of course, gets less physical and less dangerous or whatever it is, if I can continue to make the character interesting by making people laugh through the character at times, I do know that was part of me saying to Vanessa, don't make him unpleasant. Nobody will ever find an unpleasant person funny. Mm. I don't find unpleasant actors who I know are unpleasant in real life I can't find them funny when I see them trying to be funny because I know they're hateful people mm. no names but I but there are a few not many and so I, I'm thrilled that you can find that I pick up I do also think again I, I'm forgive me I'm I, I'm being immodest but I do actually know the writers quite like writing sort yeah. of one-liners for Brian because they know I'll probably deliver them I mean, you know comedy has been would have been my other life if I'd not been Brian or involved with schools and children's television for so long. And on my This Is Your Life, for um, now Sir Richard Stilgoe, and we started together in 69, when we did Beyond the Fringe together in Canterbury, and I worked with Richard and for f- years with him um, in his comedy programmes. And he came on my This Is Your Life, and said the nicest thing he said to Michael Aswell, what people don't know, this man is one of the funniest, cleverest people delivering a line. He said, I write these comedy scripts and he suddenly turns it into liquid gold. Well I just thought that was uh, no wonder he's my oldest friend. <laughs> Very much so actually now.
2: But the lines, I mean it's the stuff that could go on tea towels or mugs. There's <clears> they're just but even lines that you did about the Gagriculture show and uh, how you yeah. didn't want to go on it, and and lines about Hilda, it's just
1: well, I did a very funny one today, so I hope you'll hear that.
2: Oh,
1: well, um, it's about Kate and uh, Alice agreeing with Kate, and I said, oh, look, I hope you're not going to go all become all like her. And she said, no, I said, I've got one daughter, it's bad. I don't want another daughter who's all woo woo. <laughs> so that's quite, a, yeah. Uh, it was making Holly laugh, though. Another Another daughter's all woo-woo all the time. And I thought, good, well done the writer. Woo-woo is funny. Because, yes. you know, comedy is fascinating. So yes. I'm glad you say that about the humour. It's made my day.
2: Oh, definitely. And even, I mean, we've just been talking to Jack, who plays Harry Chilcott, and there was a scene when you got to meet Harry yes. with Kate and, and Kate didn't think much of his aura. No. And it was just...
1: There's a good line there when she said to me, this is Harry, and I said, ah, Harry, good name. I mean, that sort of yes, thing. You know. and
2: that's Brian. Because that's Brian TV. being a snob,
1: really, yes. yes.
2: <laughs> and, and nothing nothing. Which I don't
1: think that. he is particularly. I mean, Jennifer was the snob. That was the classic thing, that Jennifer, the working-class girl, daughter of the publican and the landlord, marries this wealthy, upper-middle-class man, Brian, who doesn't give a fig that he's living in this funny little willow cottage or was? I mean, he did after she died. He he got sorry that that Jennifer didn't have home farm. But yes. um, wow, what what a what a business that was!
2: Wasn't it? Yes, I still haven't forgiven Kate for sort of forcing the family home to be sold so she could keep her.
1: Nor have I have. <laughs> have you interviewed Perdita Avery? No. I, mean, that went, I was actually talking at Woman's Hour. I was on Woman's Hour Christmas special, and there was Jenny Murray and Jane Garvey, and they were interviewing. It was a whole load of us. I had Kirsty Young next to me, and uh, um, Romish Raglan, I think he was hey. the other side. And uh, Jenny Murray said, um, "You got you got a newish Kate, haven't you? What what's the new Kate like?" And I said, "Well, apart from being." six foot taller and three rungs posher than the one before. Absolutely wonderful. Because <laughs> the original was Kelly Bright, of yeah. course. Yes. And um, Kelly still sent sent me a WhatsApp not long ago. Aww. Um, you know, you're still my dad, she said. Even though I'm in East End, does I miss you so much? Because she did miss leaving this. Aww. She was very, very sorry she had to lose this. But I'm, you know, Purder's wonderful.
2: Yes, yes, she is. She's her character
1: does well, wind she, us she, up. she does. She's she done what I think I said a few minutes ago about seeing something in the writing yeah. that that was more than Kelly was giving, and so they've really gone with it. So she, they've turned her into an absolute monster, <laughs> which Kelly wasn't. Kelly was a hippie. That was it, really. She wasn't. She was a bit controversial, but this is she's so confrontational. Her, the way she's made it great yes. great play it. how tall are you
2: oh not five eight, Oh no
1: she's about five eleven oh, God. she wow. towers over me yes but she's great hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
2: Talk about big scenes, because you've had big scenes, but also last week we heard the the, the awful scene with Kenton being attacked in, in the car park. Mm. When those big scenes come up, even if you're not in that scene, as a cast are you aware of the big things that are brewing, or are they as much a shock? Sort to you?
1: of. When it's a good story, and if somebody um has has had a big story, so the Kenton story, I mean. He's, he's wonderful, Richard Attlee. He plays it so well. Amazing ancestry, isn't he?
2: Mm, yes. Um,
1: and people were terribly kind and did listen over the death of Jennifer because it was very dramatic. Um, so, yes, some of these long scenes, long... The, the, I, mean, I think my favourite quote was uh, Ned Sharon when Debbie found out that Brian had been unfaithful. Yeah. And we had an uh, 11-minute scene, I think, something like that. Oh, God. Which, out of 12, I mean, it was... And Ned Sherin said, the way Charles and Tamsin played it, he said it was pure Chekhov. And I thought, I'll have that one, I'll have that one. But again, I will say to you, these are the easiest scenes to play. The hardest scenes to play are walking across a field of unripe corn with David. No drama. <laughs> yes. You know, oh, this looks so done another week of some. How exciting. <laughs> yeah. But then the, but things surprise you. And, you know, when, when Brian said he was going to buy a anabolic digester as an actor, I thought, oh, good, though. Yeah. I live in the wilds of Hampshire. Everybody was going, oh, my God. You know, they're huge, those things. What are you doing? I thought, hey, still people are interested yes. in these Funny stories and Borchester yeah. Land and all
2: that, and we like the drama, but we also like the sort of mundane, more seasonal Good.
1: events. Good, because
2: it's it, that's comforting. Exactly as us. it should be. Jeez,
1: I think are. that's right. You can't have you can't have too much Rob know
2: Yes, thank goodness. yes. I
1: mean, staggeringly well played mm. by them by both Louisa mm. and Tim Watson. Staggering. Mm. Tim Watson is. Why he isn't one of our biggest stars? I do not know. I've seen him on stage, twice. He blows the audience away.
2: Really? So he's not just as... Raw. Oh no,
1: no, he's wonderful, and such a, probably too nice. But anyway, it, but you know, this business is not fair. Fame is not why you become an actor. Fame is something that comes along. Mm. I, I have a certain fame. Yeah. Because. <laughs> of the wonderful stories I've been given to speak. You know, thank you, scriptwriters. Thank you, Vanessa, who, you know, I didn't always get on with at all. Well, nobody did. Not even her, I don't think. <laughs> but, you know, she, she said to me, we're going to give Brian another affair. Because i have been saying to her, this was before the Siobhan story. Were you listening then?
2: Oh, I've been listening to it for... Oh, OK. Yes.
1: Oh, yes. Judy and I have been doing a stage show for ages and i have been doing other things. And people were always saying, when's Brian going to have another affair? You know, it's ages. And, and I kept saying this to Vanessa. And then one day she rang me up and said, right, we've got one. He's going to have an affair with the doctor's wife and they're going to have a baby, but he's not going to stop loving Jennifer he's going to want to have his cake and eat it and even when he's found out he's going to want his cake and eat it but it's and it's going to it's going to be a fair that runs a full time because it's nine months of the pregnancy and all that and uh that was that that was the moment that i became quite well known that really did set it up uh, um, rachel johnson interviewed me I was just I had a very bad hip, and it was November. I had the hip done in December. I, she asked me to have breakfast with me. It was in the middle of the Siobhan story, but Jennifer didn't know. Brian was generally thinking, yeah, get the best <laughs> of everything, you know. and It was just happening all the time. Anyway, we met for breakfast. She was in, interviewing me for The Spectator. She said, before we start, I've just got to tell you, uh, I rang my mother this morning, she said, and I said, Mother, I think you ought to know I'm having breakfast with Charles Collingwood, who plays Brian Aldridge. (laughs) And my mother said, oh, do be careful, darling. (laughs) I was pleased about that.
2: (laughs) Well, Quentin, Mm -hmm. who's a co-host of mine, and he is, it's fair to say, your number one fan. Brian is his absolute favourite. And even when Brian is being a little naughty, Quentin will not hear a word Against Brian. Oh, for Quentin. Uh, so Quentin has a question. It's a long question, so bear with me. but yeah. It ties into what you've just said. And he said, does Charles agree with me that Brian's affair with Sean, birth of Rory, Sean's death, and Rory's adoption by Jenny, and the knock-on effect on the Aldridge family was not only the greatest story for Brian, but also one of the best ever in the history of the
1: Archers? Well, I agree with the first bit about being... Uh, wonderful for me, for Brian, mm. but it's not up to me to decide whether it's <laughs> one of the best stories ever. I mean, I'd be sort of a bit naive if I didn't think it probably was. Yeah, uh, you
2: and it's know, transcended it was... decades as well. Well,
1: you see, the thing about The Archers is that we, the, why so many stories r- really register and, and people ask questions in Parliament all that, is that we do these stories at the right, at the normal pace. So the affair with Siobhan, it was about th- two or three years. You know, um, if that's on television, they meet, fall in love, and they're rowing within three weeks. You know, it, it, because they've got to be moving on. Archers are reflective, endless, and life's reflective. We're always having cups of tea and talking about yesterday in real life, and so they do in The Archers. And so these stories are allowed to run the full... And that's why I think people thought it was so real, in a way. Uh, and, and, I mean, following on from... I don't know if I told you all these stories when we met it.
2: Don't worry, keep no, it's wonderful thing.
1: There was a, a, a Variety Club tribute lunch to Wendy Richard, who uh, was a massive fan, absolutely massive. Pauline. Pauline. Yes. And they gave her a big lunch at the Savoy. Well, Judy wasn't invited. I was. I was the only one invited from the cast. And I was sitting there having my lunch. At the end of the first course, Wendy came up, this is absolutely true, and put her arms around me, whispered in my ear, Charles, Angela Rippon, I think you're the sexiest bastard in show business. (laughs) Well, excuse me. So when I left, I went home. And I used to say this in my stage, I had embroidered it. I say, I I walked in the door and there's Judy, poor darling, she hadn't even bothered to get dressed, doing the ironing in the kitchen. I said, put that down a minute, darling. I've just got something to tell you. I I just want you to know, at the lunch, Wendy put her arms around me and said, Angela, I think you're the sexiest bastard in show business. And Judy looked at me and said, only in show business. Brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs) That's the best line that's ever been said to me. And that's partly why we have a wonderful marriage, because we both make each other laugh. That was a surprisingly brilliant line. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. I'm sure, I
2: can't believe anyone doesn't know, but yes, you are married to Shula, to Judy. Yes. Yes. We were
1: married in 76.
2: 76, my goodness.
1: Yeah.
2: And was the archer something that you would discuss then at home, or was it strictly...? Oh,
1: yes. I'm in the archers because of Judy. You know, it would never have happened if I had not been with her. I just came up as her boyfriend to a party in Tony Show, and I was a listener, so at least I was listening before I was with Judy. And I said that to the producer. And he said, well, you ought to be in it soon. And I said, well, thank you very much. And the next thing, I was playing Dave Escott. And then the next thing was Brian. I mean, it was as simple as that.
2: Well, you see, now maybe, Charles, you can help me, because obviously I'm a listener, an avid listener, and I have beseeched Jeremy to give me a part on The Archers. I said, even if it's one word. And so far he is scathing in his interest in having me on. Can you give me any tips? What, what should I do to, to get Jeremy to notice me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure. Um, but uh, I think you'll just have to wait your time.
2: Oh, dear. Sad time. Maybe
1: post-Jeremy.
2: Oh, dear. i just <laughs> have to wait. Yes, Jeremy was not interested. Uh, yes.
1: Well, I think there are... When you think there are probably... <laughs> Tens of thousands yeah. of actual actors and actresses who do want to be in the arts. Yeah, um, I mean we do have celebrities. If you, I'll tell you what: if you suddenly became a serious interviewer nationwide, doing everything, you'd be in like that, I think, because you know we Are have. Are you this,
2: saying I'm not a serious not, interviewer? Child, I'm not. Sorry.
1: No, not the word serious. No, I think it's you're not a household name as an interviewer. Yet. That's Not
2: yet but you know yes.
1: well, Should you become so yeah. I should ring Jeremy when? again and say Right Jeremy and I want to be paid
2: <laughs> I'll <laughs> do it for free Jeremy mind you, so I'll do it, do it I. for free What do you hope for Brian in the future No spoilers about what you might know But have you got Hopes for the character
1: Hard to say You know, We're the same age We're both 80, we're both 81 this year <laughs> what are the hopes for life what are the hopes when you get to our age you know I'm, I'm fairly I, I say I'm fit uh, as fit as I f- Brian is I mean I was flattered when they gave him the angina attack uh it, the summer before last you remember they were doing five episodes a week yeah and then they wanted to make it six Jeremy rang me up and said Charles I mean this to be flattering. So I said, OK, well. He said, Well, on Thursday, something or other in, in June, you are going to appear to have had a possibly fatal heart attack because the following day will be the first day back doing the six episodes a week. Oh. And I want people to turn on on the Friday, having heard Brian. He said, but I must tell you, it's not a heart attack, it's an angina attack, medically controlled, you know, let's, uh, well, until the, the cat story, which yes. I hadn't even me mentioned. So I said, fair enough. I, I don't know if you know, but I'm mad on cricket and I'm a member of the MCC and everything. Well, the Thursday night potential heart attack coincided with the test match at Lord's, where I was. Well, on the Friday, when it had gone out in the sand, I'm sitting having a coffee in the with you know 35,000 people there <laughs> with a stream of people coming I'm saying you all right? right what's happening <laughs> uh, should you be here <laughs> So I think it worked
2: <laughs> I think when we last met you had your cricket tie on as well I seem to remember at the hay festival Did I Yeah no cuz you were about to do the performance of the ah, episode, yes. which oh, I loved. yes
1: it was nice, wasn't it? To
2: see the it was
1: lovely. Yes,
2: physical side of things. Yes, I it's lovely. More
1: so do I. Yes, yeah, I do. I do quite. That's why I say we don't do. We used to take the archers on the road a lot more and go to all the agricultural shows and mm. do personal appearances and do false scenes specially written for the and get people up from the audience. And I, I liked it when the BBC were more inclusive. Mm. But that's the way it is. I think they'd probably say money dear.
2: Well, we're hoping you go back to the Hay Festival this year. We'll, we'll have well, it to see. It was jolly
1: nice a not have half the weather we had last
2: year. Oh, time. it was glorious, oh. wasn't it? Absolutely glorious. I'll have a
1: new knee then. I'll be able to walk better.
2: <laughs> now, this is a slightly odd question. Go on. But it's, it's one where... This is for Brian, not yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit of a game. And I'm going to give you three names. The mm-hmm. names are Jolene, Pat and Joy... And you have to, it's snog, marry, avoid. So you have to choose one that Brian might snog, one that Brian might marry, and one that he would avoid. So we've got Pat, Jolene, and Joy. Which one out of those would you, would you kiss, first of all? Who would the... Um, if you could choose, no spoilers, we're just...
1: Jolene, probably.
2: Oh, yes. lovely. And who would you marry? Pat probably. So you'd
1: be avoiding Joy. I wouldn't marry Joy. Joy is not his sort of class. he's not his sort of man. (laughs)
2: But she's good with the cats. Oh yeah, yeah. She's
1: she's fine. But she's not she's not Brian's type. I mean, (laughs) Debbie thought they were having a little fling, you know. And Brian went mad. I think Brian likes Joy, but I think he doesn't see what he'd have in common with Joy. I mean, he doesn't have much in common with Pat. (laughs) Tough, tough group there. I, I mean, I might say nothing to none, All of them. <laughs> <Yes>. but, um, <laughs> it's just a bit fun. But I'm trying to be Brian yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The other question we ask most
2: people is about biscuits. Now, if Brian had a favourite biscuit, because biscuits are important to us on the podcast, what would Brian's biscuit of choice be, do you think? Well, if
1: you think of Brian's behaviour over the years, it must be a hobnob. <laughs>
2: A chocolate hobnob or a plain hobnob? No, I don't think he'd care. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just the word knob, I think, it would make his eyes water.
2: <laughs> if you, Charles, had half an hour in Ambridge, because obviously Ambridge is real, it exists for us all, if you had half an hour in Ambridge, who, whose door would you knock on to talk to? Where would you go to spend half an hour?
1: Yeah, well, the script writers always make him go and talk to David. Yeah. I would like to think... it. It ought to be Justin. Mm. It might be Oliver. Although we don't get many scenes together, it, we do pigeonhole ourselves in society. We do tend to become friends with people we feel comfortable with. And, mm-hmm. and we, we, we sometimes go out of the box. That's why there's questions about Brian kissing and marrying. and. You know, I think it would be somebody like Oliver. I've always found it, an extra, because but it's the archers, and I've always found it extraordinary that, Alistair's father, the prof, should be so friendly with jazzer mm. What the hell have they got in? But you know, that's the archers, isn't <laughs> yes, it? I, it? I'm perhaps I'm trying to be I mean, do you want a jazzer of your own then,
2: Charles? Would you like uh a- Well you've I know. got
1: Kate? I mean that's no. enough of a character uh, in your house. Who would who would I don't know. Wouldn't be one of the Grund.
2: And he's quite fed up with Justin because they yes, Justin came course. to live with him no, over Christmas. No, 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 absolutely. The yes, and he said, "I ain't going to be any longer in the bathroom? <laughs> yes. and forcing him on the golf it course was such when fun. It was, when yes, it was cold. I think,
1: um, I think we're playing golf again soon. I hope I win next time.
2: Yeah. I'd quite like you to go and have another chat with Stella because I think there's, you know, Stella. Yes. Still more to 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 be heard. Oh
1: yes, I agree. For, yeah. No, she's jolly good, Lucy Speed. I, I like her. I like them all, most. It's a unique programme, one that I'm immensely proud. Of. And, uh, you know, if, if it's the last thing I do, which it probably will because I turn everything else down, I, I hope you'll be, we'll be having a similar conversation in ten years' time. Why the hell not? You know, I've just had fish for lunch. It must be good. And not drinking today. Good heavens. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm very, very proud to be part of the programme and proud to have created and made i hope for the listener brian a character that they look forward to hearing and with your kind remarks may i continue to amuse them when when the time allows when the writers write it like that because it's wonderful and
2: well, we absolutely look forward to uh, every year ahead, and <laughs> I look you. forward to sitting here in ten years, in twenty years. Yes, time.
1: but I'm very happy to sit here in six months that, if you want to talk to that me, that me again. Is you know.
2: but, the, yeah, but Charles, no, honestly, it's just been such a lovely. To well, talk to I
1: us. I don't know whether I've told you what you want to hear or there's absolutely anything there.
2: Have. Hope it's the
1: knife, the scissors won't have to go into.
2: <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Thank you. Not a bit. And I'll be back with the usual episode on Tuesday with Quentin. Until then, it's a goodbye from me. Bye bye, everyone.